0: Good morning, everyone. It's so good to see each of you here in the house of the Lord. We're continuing in our series of messages. We're, we're coming close to the end here. Uh, end of March will be the final message in this series. But we've been doing this uh, since January, our uh, discipleship material, Experiencing God. We've been trying to focus as a church on not only knowing God's will, but seeing that will done in our lives and making any necessary adjustments on our part to join God in His will, rather than trying to do it the other way around, where we try to force God to accommodate our will uh, and to kind of come behind us, we're trying to flip, flip that around. I think in the in the right direction. So, uh, we're reaching that point in this material where we're looking at it. Uh, a lot of the focus in the in the first couple of months has been on us getting this straight uh, on an individual level and in terms of my own heart and my relationship with God and the way I'm approaching all of that. But we can't uh, do this alone. God intends for it to happen in a group. Uh, in a community of believers. And that's where we are now, what we're talking about now. How do we experience the will of God in our lives as a church, as a congregation? Sometimes I find the honesty of songs written by people in the world around me haunting. One such song is I Walk Alone by Green Day. I'm sure you've heard it. Let me share some of the lyrics with you. I walk a lonely road the only one that I have ever known. Don't know where it goes, but it's home to me, and I walk alone. I walk this empty street on the boulevard of broken dreams, where the city sleeps, and I am the only one, and I walk alone. They end the song with a wish. My shadow's the only one that walks beside me. My shallow heart's the only thing that's beating. Sometimes I wish someone out there would find me. Till then, I'll walk alone. One of sin's darkest cruelties is isolation. It isolates us from God. It isolates us from each other and leaves us alone. How does God change this in the gospel of Jesus Christ? That's what we're going to look at today. We're going to be in 1 John chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 5 through 7. The message today is titled, Kingdom People. Let's begin in verse 5. And this is the message which we have heard from him and, which, uh, and are proclaiming to you, that God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. It's interesting to me. That when we talk about the Christian faith, we don't talk about uh, an ethic. We don't talk about a moral code. We don't talk about a philosophy. If you want to describe the Christian faith, the most consistent way it's described in the New Testament is it's a message. Or, let's be more specific, a good message. Euangelion. Message is a great word to describe the Christian faith because message implies at least two parties, right? For there to be a message, there has to be somebody sharing something and there has to be another person who is receiving what is being shared. You need at least two for there to be a message. And that is what the Christian faith is all about. It is a message communicated from God to us. And uh, John, as he writes this letter, uh, is saying that this message that we have shared with you is something we heard first from God. This isn't something we came up with. And that's what's unique about the Christian faith is that uh, we have this collection of books that, that bear witness to it, 66 books written over a period of 1,500 years by a lot of different people, many of them anonymous. We don't know who wrote uh, a lot of it. Uh, But they wrote down these things and uh, each one of them was uh, simply putting down what they had heard and received from God, their uh, encounter with God. And not one of these is a message where somebody said, let me explain to you what you need to know about God. Uh, it was uh, people conveying a message that was not their own, something that they received from God. That is the nature of the Christian faith. It is not something that somebody sat down and thought really long and hard and said, this is the ethical uh, framework that would best work for the human race and let me lay out the principles that we should live by and let me share this because I've figured it all out. The Christian faith is not an invitation to a moral code. It's an invitation to a relationship with God. And in that relationship, we receive from him the things that radically and eternally transform our lives. But it is a message. And those of us who talk about the Christian faith are doing nothing but what John is describing here. We are receiving a message from God and we are conveying that same message to the people around us. We are compelled to do so, we are commanded to do so because the message is the most important piece of information anybody in the world can ever receive. What does John have to say about this message? that he is proclaiming. Here's the message. Here's what God wants us to know about him. That God is light. And there is no darkness in him at all. Light is obviously a metaphor. What do we associate with light? Uh, If any of you have ever been in the building across the way here at night and have had the misfortune of trying to navigate it with the lights turned off, you will realize that a very nice building gets really creepy fast. It's bizarre how creepy that building gets in the dark because you can't see anything. You can't perceive what's around you and who knows what's in the darkness around you and you could easily stumble into something or, or, or bump into a wall or there could be somebody hiding there. The light dispels all those fears because it lets you see clearly what's going on. So we associate light with truth and with uh, a genuine, accurate perception of things. Light is also the source of heat. If it were not for the light from the sun hitting the earth, the earth would be a dark, dead rock. We would. Uh, there wouldn't be Oceans, it would be frozen solid. The light provides the warmth that makes life possible. So all of these things, God is everything that is true, everything that is warm and associated with life and goodness, everything that you would think of when you think of the word light. Now we can say that about a lot of things. There are uh, people that uh, I can describe in those terms that have been a warm and truthful uh, presence in my life. There are things about the world around me that I can describe as light. The sun when it comes up in the morning and illuminates everything. There are a lot of things in creation around me that I can say there's light in them. But here's what's different about God. Not only does he have light, he is light. And there's no darkness in him at all. No tiniest bit of darkness in him. That's what's different about God because about me or about any one of us, I can point to someone that's been a source of light in my life, but I can also, if I'm honest, look at that person and say, yes, but there are dark spots in that life and heart. There are moments where it hasn't been all light. There are words spoken that have not been all light. The darkness creeps in and it's present in all creation. Even roses have thorns. There is some darkness in everything we experience, which is why we are so hesitant to trust, right? We've been burned. It's very hard for us to trust. Because we know no matter how much light we experience from any particular source, that there is a dark side. There is a failure. There is a brokenness. There is something there that is not what we're looking for. Here's what God wanted us to know this is the message we are receiving from Him. With me, you don't have to worry about that. There is no darkness. me in that sense God is unique he stands alone so John has talked about this message received from Christ he talks about it in in his gospel in chapter 1 verse 14 the message became flesh and pitched his tent among us and we saw his glory glory is of the one and only from the father full of grace and truth This is the nature of the message received. Also in chapter one, verse four of John, in him, talking about Jesus, was life and the life was the light of humans. And what's unique about God is not only that he is light, but that there is no shadow. Of darkness in him there is not a bit of him that you would say I love all of this about him but there's this one thing there's this one dark side to him that I have to worry about with God there is none of that it's all good I can't even trust myself the way I can trust God because I know there's darkness in me. I know there's cruelty and there is self-destructive patterns of behavior and living and I know I can't even trust my own heart. But God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. And this is something, the the very opening salvo of the gospel message is that there is access to somebody who is communicating to us and he is telling us, you can trust me. I am nothing but good. There is no reason to hold back. And we may have never experienced this in life. We may think it can't be that there is a God who is uh, perfect light. Surely there's something about him that's not good. But I think Paul describes this well, this reality in Romans 3, 4. Let God be true, though every human be a liar. The fact that none of us is pure light does not... Change the fact that God is absolute pure light. He alone is absolute pure light. So God is our one chance at knowing light. You're not going to find it in your marriage. You're not going to find it with your children. You're not going to find it in friendships. You're not going to find it in a career. You're not going to find it anywhere but in God. And in a world that is tainted to its core with darkness, God speaks to us and says, I am pure light. Come to me. (coughs) The gospel is an invitation to know the God who is nothing but light. Verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and are not practicing the truth. I love how blunt John is. He, he doesn't kind of tiptoe around it. He doesn't hem and haw. He kind of says it like it is, right? So we have this message from God, this invitation into his light. And he says, so if we're talking like we have entered into that, we have put our faith in this God who has reached out to us in Jesus Christ, this God who is light, we have reached out to him and we are now connected to him. We are in fellowship with him. We have entered into this personal relationship with him. Then uh, what does our life look like? John tells us what it doesn't look like if we are walking in darkness. And that term there, walk in darkness, that walk uh, has the idea of walk around. It isn't just like walk, go from point A to point B, but it's just, it's the idea of, of how you move about in life. Where you go and what you, uh, wh- wh- what contexts you are placing yourself within as you go through the living of life. As you walk about, would you say your walk is a walk in darkness or a walk in light? Now, we may misunderstand this. We may think that what John is talking about here is location. That uh, if we're in fellowship with God, we're never going to go to bad places. We're never going to find ourselves in, in shady corners or bad areas of town because that's where all the bad people are. Uh, Jesus was accused by his enemies of going to places like that, of eating and drinking with sinners, of partying it up with sinners in the context of where they were. Now, Jesus knew that people in darkness need the light, so he showed up in dark places and he didn't participate. He never tainted himself with the darkness. But he went into dark places and was decidedly different than the people who were in those places. So it isn't the location itself that we're talking about. When we say walk about in darkness, we're not saying that you never uh, find yourself in, in a place where you're surrounded by darkness. It has to do with what you're, what's going on in your heart. Are you in dark places because you love the darkness and you are participating in the darkness and you are uh, enacting, implementing darkness actively? Well, then you're walking in darkness. Now, you can do that sitting in a pew at church. You can be sitting here with a heart full of hatred rejecting everything God is saying and rejecting worship and rejecting everything that's going on, you can be in the best place in the world and still be in darkness. It has to do with the nature of the life you're living. If, if we look at your life, is it a life that is the kind of life God would be associated with or not? Is your heart governed by greed or self-centeredness is are your relationships marked by loving service or are they marked by manipulation and trying to bend everybody around you to your will and your whim do you walk in darkness is the way you're living your life completely opposite of the way Jesus lived his life If we are walking around in darkness, if our life is lived, uh, some people describe this as a phenomenon within churches, Uh, what is it, practical atheism, you claim to be a Christian but you live no different than the atheist, so practically you are actually an atheist, you say you're a Christian. Uh, We can walk in darkness and go through the motions of things, but is our heart and life captivated by the things that are important to God? Is the light of God affecting the life I'm living? Now, John isn't saying here that the, the way to know whether we're in fellowship with God is whether we are perfect or not. He doesn't say that. What he does say is, if all I'm doing is moving about in this pattern of self-centeredness and everything that is opposite to what God is up to, then there's only one possible explanation. I'm a big, fat liar. Let's call it what it is. Let's give up the pretense. You know, one of the things I'm grateful to COVID for is that I think it purged the church of people who were only pretending, And you discovered over a couple of years, I didn't really care about church, so why would I go back? Well, good, don't come back. That's not what we're trying to do here. We're not trying to pretend to know Christ. We're not trying to pretend to impress people about calling ourselves people who are in fellowship with God. We actually want to walk in the light. We do not want to continue in darkness. Our life has to reflect, not perfection, but a heart that has been captivated by the God who is light. And there has to, at the very least, be a trajectory out of darkness going on. I'm not saying there's no darkness in our lives, but it can't be something we are happily living in. It has to be something we are actively asking Christ to bring us out of. We are walking in light. We are walking away from the darkness. We are in a trajectory from death to life, from shame to glory. If that's not what we're up to, not only are we liars, we are not doing, we are not practicing the truth. Remember, truth is not a concept. And it's certainly not something up to you. Truth is a person. Jesus said, I am the truth, the truth. Anything that is true originates in God because he is truth. Just like anything that is light originates in God. Anything that is love originates in God because he is these things. He not only is characterized by them, but he is the very essence of them. If God is truth, one of the things that's going to be happening in my life if I'm in fellowship with him is that the lies are no longer appealing to me. Manipulations and deceptions and this idea of presenting some kind of a facade for everybody to look at and say, wow, what a great person this is, this Instagram lifestyle. We have no interest in that. If we're in fellowship with God, There's no pretense. There's no facade. There's no fake anything. We are practicing the truth. And if we are not practicing the truth, if we are people who are trying to hide everything from everybody around us, that is an evidence of walking in darkness. Not practicing the truth. How you live is going to tell the truth of your walk with God. It's not going to depend on what you say. And let's read verse 7 which is actually the memory verse for the week. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. So how are we supposed to be walking in this life? We are to walk in light. That's where God is so we are to be walking with God where he is. We are to accompany him where he is. This whole uh, past months we've been working on this on so reorienting our hearts away from what I want to what it is that God wants. I don't want him to join me where I am. I want to leave where I am and I want to go where he is because he is walking in light. And I want to be in the light because that is where he is. We are trying to reorient our lives to him and walk in him because he is pure light. There is no better place to be than right in the center of wherever God is. What are benefits of choosing to join God in this way? John mentions two. I don't think this is an exhaustive list, but these are two I think it's worth considering today. First of all, we have fellowship with one another. If we are walking in the light, if we are joining God, guess where we're going to find ourselves? We're going to find ourselves all up in each other's lives. Why? Because that's where God is. What do you think is important to God? Just observe the, the narrative of the Bible' story. What, what would you say is the most significant intervention of God in human history? Wouldn't you say it was the cross? The Incarnation, the cross, the resurrection? In fact, the whole Bible reads as a, a, a build-up to that moment. A Laying out of the problem of sin and uh, a law that helps us recognize it as a problem and all of these promises that God is going to make everything right and finally he steps into history, takes on flesh and goes to a cross to drag all of our sin with him to the grave and emerges from the grave in resurrection, in victory over sin and death. What is important to God? It is the rescue of humankind. That's the biggest thing he's done, is rescue us from our sins. So if that's the most important thing to God, and I'm trying to join God where he is, where am I going to be but where he's at work? And where does God live on this earth? Where is his abode? Where is his house with many dwelling places? We are those dwelling places. Anyone who has put his faith in Jesus becomes part of the house of God, becomes one of the many dwelling places of God on the earth. So if I'm going to hang out with God, I'm going to be around uh, the places he is. And the places he is is the hearts of brothers and sisters who have come to know him as I have. It is inevitable. If I have fellowship with God, if I walk in the light, I am not going to be able to avoid walking hand in hand with you. One of the biggest lies out there is that we can have the gospel without the rest of the church. That all I need is God. I've got God. I've got YouTube. I can watch a service. I can sing praises. There's so much on YouTube now. Uh, I don't need to go anywhere or to talk to anybody. It's just me and God. And it's so beautiful. Well, according to the Bible, if you are in fellowship with God, you cannot not be in fellowship with other believers. If you are walking in the light, guess where you're going to find yourself? You're going to find yourself in fellowship with others who are walking in that light. God intended for us to do it this way. What's the other benefit he mentions? The blood of Jesus' son cleanses us from all sin. He's very careful about how he words that. He doesn't say forgives us. I think that's, sometimes we assume that, we just read right past that. But that's not the word he used. Now, we, it is true of the gospel that Jesus died on the cross and he, he bore the sins of the world on the cross in his flesh and dragged them, kicking and screaming to the grave with him so that he would have absolute victory over all sin. And he extends forgiveness of sins. We are not made to pay the penalty of our sins. We are not made to face eternal death. It is true that Jesus forgives our sins. But it has to be more than that. If all I'm talking about is that I have a heart that is steeped in sin... I have a heart that is greedy and selfish and incapable of love and that is only focused inward and that is hateful and malice is is governing everything I do. If that's who I am and all Jesus says is, I forgive you. What good does that do me? I don't need just forgiveness. I need that sin gone. I need my heart cleansed of that filth I need to know what it is to have a pure heart and what it is to genuinely love another person and to lay down my life not because I have to but because I want to. I want God to change me. That's what he's talking about here. The blood of Jesus doesn't just forgive sin. It cleanses us from all sin. What that means is If you want God to change your heart, if you want that darkness gone, if you want to be washed clean of it, the way that's going to happen is in fellowship with one another. Where are we going to learn to love without each other? You think you can learn to love locked in your closet? You think YouTube is going to teach you how to love? You can't. I learn to love when I am sharing my heart and life with people around me and they fail me. And they hurt me. And they say things that are untrue about me. I learn in that context as I am hurt and bruised by sharing my heart and life with others. How else can I ever discover the kind of love that covers a multitude of sins but that I put myself in a situation where I can be sinned against by other people and I don't run away. I don't leave when somebody hurts me but I stick it out and I stay there and I begin to see God change my heart. That's how it works. We learn sacrificial love only when we are forced to exercise it. And we cannot do that at home alone. Your dog at home is not going to teach this to you. You need some flesh and blood people around you, people who are going to fall short. And it's in this fellowship that God's light is perfect. It's in this fellowship that we grow and the sin that darkens my heart can be washed. I have to be doing this together or it's not going to happen at all. If we're going to walk with God, then we're going to know true fellowship and we are going to, in that fellowship, discover that he is at work cleansing our hearts of sin. Notice he says, from all sin. Because Jesus is going to finish what he started. It's inevitable. If we are in Christ, that is going to happen. And obviously, it's not going to happen perfectly until the day of the resurrection, until we are made absolutely perfect through and through. But we know where we're going. We know the trajectory of our life. And we refuse to live it any other way than in that direction. That is what it means to walk in light. To not settle for anything less than that complete cleansing from all sin. God is nothing but pure light. Only by responding to his invitation and placing our trust in him, following after him, are we ever going to be free of the darkness, not only around us, but inside us. What does this journey look like? We don't keep walking about in darkness. We don't stay where we were. We start moving around in different ways. Now we enter into fellowship with God as we seek his will in our lives, not our own. Guess what his will is for us? He wants us to have the same loving fellowship with each other that we have with him. As we pursue him together, as we listen to his voice, as we seek his will as one, we will enjoy the sweetest fellowship humans are ever going to find on this earth. In that journey together, God is going to be washing us clean, cleansing us of all sin. Do you realize that our path from darkness to light, from dirty and sinful to cleansed and righteous is something that must be pursued as a group? God wants us to do this together or we're not going to do it at all. To have fellowship with him is to have it with each other. So I want to challenge you. Are you going to pursue God with me? As we are cleansed evermore, as he draws us together into his will, his light. Will you join us in this walk? God's calling us to this. To commit our lives to him and in him to each other. And I'm not saying God can move you from one place to another, but wherever he has you today, you need to be in 100% right now where he has you. And when he moves you somewhere else, you need to be in 100% wherever else he has moved you. But don't be half in. And let's see God who is light. Light. Make that evident in our fellowship together as we together pursue what He is up to. As we give up our self-centered ways and pursue His kingdom and His calling together. Whatever God may have put on your heart today, whether it's the beginning of a relationship with God or it's a renewed commitment to what he's calling you to, whatever God has put on your heart, now is your time to respond and to do something. Let's all stand. There are going to be people here on either side and they're just here to take your hand, share with them whatever God has put on your heart and let them pray with you and encourage you. This is your time to respond to the word of God. Come while we sing.